Hello, Ang Lee here, joining you from the set of Sense and Sensibility 2, The Legend of Colonel Brandon's Gold. I just wanted to let you know that the following podcast contains spoilers for my movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends compete to improve film's most dastardly schemes. I'm your host, Craig, and this week's movie is 2000's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. So, don't waste your last breath on us. Waste your whole life. And let's get diabolical. Welcome to this week's episode. As host for this week, I'm chairing the panel of peril, who will compete against me at the close of the show to come up with the best alternative plan for the movie villain of the week before we vote to name this week's most diabolical. As ever, I'm joined by three warriors renowned in their home prefectures. So, when I see your name, please respond with your preposterously long nickname. For example, I'm Craig, renowned in Carmarthenshire as Charming Northern Tortoise. So, Lord Manly Supreme, please respond with your preposterously long nickname. I am well known in the prefecture of Saitama, and my preposterously long nickname is Taro Kempei Obakamaru III. <laughs> and can you tell the non-Japanese speakers what that means? Taro is a very common boy's name, like Bob. Kempei means guard, and Obakamaru means all-round stupidity. Bob guard, all-round stupidity. <laughs> Probably more like uh, Bob the all-round stupid guard, the third. Very nice. Gaz? Hi, um... Gaz, and I am known as Lone Wolf, Wife and Two Cubs. (laughs) (laughs) He's a lone wolf. (laughs) Finally, Adam. It's Adam. (laughs) My long name is Zhifang Lai Jingji, which means very correct, gallant hero. Nice. Very correct, not just correct. (laughs) Very correct. The best kind of correct. Just below technically correct. (laughs) (laughs) Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon kicked off a slew of copycat wuja, such as Hero and House of Flying Daggers. So we can get to know each other a bit better, please share with us, other than this, what is your favourite martial arts movie or series, Adam? I saw a film, I can't remember how many years ago now, about five years ago, called um, Bangkok Knockout. And it's just mental. It's basically a load of fighters get locked in a warehouse and they have to fight their way out. And it's mental. There's like people getting hit with breeze blocks. One point, a flaming man bursts through a wall. (laughs) And it's just great. Nice. Gareth. I went for the first thing that leapt to my mind and I had a quick Google to see whether it would technically qualify as martial arts. And so on that basis, I'm saying Seven Samurai. Okay. Nice. Lord Manly Supreme, your favourite martial arts film or series? Mine's a toss-up between Enter the Dragon and Rumble in the Bronx. If you really have to push me, I'll probably say Enter the Dragon. Nice. As for me, my favourite martial arts series is Yip Man, starring Donnie Yen. Ah. Oh, yeah. yeah the story of one. Bruce Lee's mentor. Mm. Wonderful. Time now to delve into this week's film and its year of release. In world events of 2000, the UN designates 2000 as the International Year for the Culture of Peace. War continues regardless. And... 
Despite fears and omens regarding the end of the world, such as the rare conjunction of seven celestial bodies in our solar system and the looming threat of the Y2K bug, the world continues regardless. The last Sizigi of all nine major heavenly bodies in our solar system occurred in the year of this panel's birth. That's bad omens. <laughs> 2000's Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon explores the tug of war and peace at the heart of a warrior and the balance between desire and duty. Director Ang Lee, whose 1995 adaptation of the Jane Austen favourite had been a similar critical and commercial success, pitched the film to actress Michelle Yeoh as Sense and Sensibility with Chopsocky. The film lined up an impressive 10 Academy Award nominations, setting the record for foreign language films. Released that same year, Jet Li, who had passed on the role of Lee Mubai, starred in Romeo Must Die. Other period pieces included Ridley Scott's Gladiator and Mel Gibson's Patriot, and Hong Kong action was making its mark on Hollywood, as Jackie Chan joined Owen Wilson in High Noon, and John Woo was throwing doves at Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible 2. But what did you make of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? Lord Manley. From a technical standpoint, this film might be the best one we've done so far. It looks amazing. It moves along really nicely. There are a few slight sags that I'll get into a little bit later, but it, visually it just looks fantastic. The CG still holds up really well. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I rented it from Apple TV, so I got to watch it once and then it expired. But I, I really want to watch it again to reconfirm my, my kind of opinion of it because I think the last time I watched it was with you guys in probably the year 2000 and I haven't seen it since then. Yeah, it blew me away, really. I think it was made at a time when CGI was used to enhance sets and and practical effects like the wirefu work that you get in this and the really impressive sets that just had the digital background. When you've got a grounding in, in something real, it really helps to sell uh, digital effects. And I think yeah, that's why sure. this still, you know, 23 years now later, still impresses and looks amazing. The sets are fantastic, absolutely. The costumes, the details of the costumes, are, uh, like I say, from a technical standpoint, it's got to be right up there with anything we've watched so far. Nice. Gaz? Yeah, it holds up amazingly well for an over. 20-year-old martial arts film, in my opinion. I think, thinking about it, it may, may have been one of the first foreign language films I, I probably watched Yeah. at that point, um, certainly in the cinema. Yes. Yeah, it's it's so good. Michelle Yeoh and Chow Yun-Fat are just, they're amazing. So subtle, their performances, yeah. the little longing glances at each other, the silences, mm. and, and the fights are absolutely incredible. It, that, that was basically how it was sold at the time, wasn't it? Yeah. Better fight scenes than The Matrix, which hadn't long come out yeah never seen anything quite like it before seen some things similar to it since um like like you say hero and kiss the golden flower and, and so forth but nothing really has come close to it since for, no. for my money a couple of sags like like lord manly supreme said which we'll talk about later but apart from that it, it's a near perfect film yeah on the subject of performances cheng pei pei as well who plays jade fox yeah. all of that emotion plays out on her face at, at once you know the bitter resentment the kind of the angst the fear that she's been surpassed you feel her betrayal yeah it's amazing yeah Ji jang later on does a lot of the same facial expressions as her and sometimes i look at her and i think you can see a resemblance between them you know when she's uh being pursued by 
Lee me by through the forest especially she just uh, has, a, has a look of the jade fox about her face and I was like oh wow it's full of brilliant performances uh, Adam your overall thoughts of the film I did the same as, as Lord Manley but I didn't rent it I bought it on Amazon Prime because I couldn't find my DVD within my bowels of my uh, dungeon of DVDs yeah yeah five quid UHD forever <laughs> five, I know yeah so I was like, I think I'll buy it because I think if I don't buy it, I'll regret it. And I'm glad because, yeah, it was my line that I wrote down. And this really sums up for me is it makes the Matrix fight sequences look like Team America. <laughs> well, I don't know whether I'd go that far. <laughs> yeah, the Matrix fight sequences are brilliant. They're good, but it's the speed and the fluidity of this. In, in yeah. Matrix, yeah. it's much more stop, quick, 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 fight, showboat. Quick, quick, quick fight, show, showboat. Well, you know, you know the like... difference. The difference is is Michelle Yeoh. She's phenomenal. It's the wide shots as well. Mm. It's the fact they cover yeah. it yeah. wider. The Matrix, mm-hmm. I think you'll find, I haven't seen it for a while, so I, I, this is off the top of my head, but I think you'll find a lot more of the shots are close up. And that's yeah. because it's easier to, yeah. to have the cuts, isn't it? These are all taken wide. Yeah. So there's no cuts. It's so fluid. It's amazing. Not trying to shit mouth the, the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, I'm not distracting from the Matrix because what the Matrix does for filmmaking and stuff like that and the technical aspects of that are amazing and yeah. the way they, with the bullet cam and all that kind of stuff and all these different oh, yeah. bits and bobs, brilliant. Yeah. But this, just from a sort of martial arts perspective, it's probably still is unsurpassed. I think the other thing to say about the Matrix is it's obviously going for a very stylized look and feel. Yeah. It's trying to replicate anime and obviously both choreographed by Master Yun Ping, who went on to direct the uh, not awful, not great Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon Netflix sequel, which I also watched this week. Oh, it is awful. <laughs> I thought it would be worse than it was. When it first came out, I put it on for roughly four minutes, and I know that because Netflix kept it paused in the same place. <laughs> I watched a few minutes of it, and I thought, I can't watch it, because it's, it's in English, for one thing, mm. which for reasons we'll get into shortly, might have been preferable for some people. Isn't it overdubbed in English, but just done v- very precisely? No, it's filmed in English. Is it? Yeah, it's filmed oh. in English, yeah. Yeah, bizarre. <laughs> and it, it has Donnie Yen in it, which was a plus. But yeah, it's it's not a patch <laughs> on this at all. But it's not as terrible mm. as I thought it would be. I finally watched it this week after several years of avoiding it. I did not watch it this week. I avoided it like the plague. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to be trying out a brand new game this week. Two truths and a lie. I'll explain the rules as you won't be familiar with them. I'll tell you two true facts about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and one lie. All you need to do is identify the lie. Well, that's a lie because we've played this before. (laughs) (laughs) And you said you won't be familiar with the rules because we haven't played it before the last time as well. (laughs) He's doing it on purpose, Gaz, you plank. Is he? Yeah, because the the first like five times we did did this, I I kept saying that we'd done the game before and we never had. (laughs) Okay, fine. I withdraw my comments. (laughs) Okay, fact number one. In some Chinese-speaking markets, the film had to be redubbed because none of the four lead actors were able to speak Mandarin fluently or with a convincing accent. Fact number two. The film's screenplay is based on the fourth novel in the Crane Pentology, 
The first book in the series is called Quick Fox, Lazy Dog. Fact number three. In the first draft of the screenplay, none of the fight scenes are described. Instead, James Seamus wrote, I will just inform you now that they will be the greatest fight scenes ever in the history of cinema. Period. That sounds like something James Seamus would write to piss off Ang Lee. <laughs> it was definitely based on the fourth book in that series. I don't know whether the first yeah, book was the, called that the or not. The title sounds a bit dodgy. The, the, the title sounds a bit yeah, like the, the, the some... thing you write when you're typing out all the letters in the keyboard. Yeah. The quick brown the big fox. Big brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Tricky. Yeah. I'm going to say second one is the lie. I'm going to say the first one, the dubbing. The dubbing? That's the one that caught me off, but then I thought, well, maybe they do speak Cantonese. I don't know. What language is the film in? Is it Mandarin? Mandarin. Maybe they speak Cantonese. Uh, uh, I'll go with the third one, just to be different. The third one is the last. Everyone went for something different. Even though at least two of you should have talked all of you into recognising that the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog is the sentence you write out when you want to type out every letter of the alphabet. And number two is the lie. But it was the fourth book in a series, wasn't it? It is, yeah, but the first book is called Crane Worries the Fucking Some Shit or whatever, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Such reverence, such reverence. (laughs) I knew the first one was true, is my research. I found found that they did overdub it in in some parts of regions of China because the, the Mandarin speakers in some parts couldn't understand the accents because Michelle Yeoh speaks with a Malaysian Mandarin accent. Chow Young-Fat is Cantonese, his first language, but his Mandarin isn't very good. And he says at some point in the one of, one of the interviews I watched this week, he said it's terrible or something, or it's awful. Yeah, he claims that he had to do 28 takes of yeah. one scene because his Mandarin was so poor. And apparently Chinese-speaking audiences agreed. Well, it's mainly like, you know when you get an American actor trying to do an English accent and it's just like, ugh. Hello, mate, how are you? It's usually oh, like that, isn't it? Hello. Like breathe. <laughs> yeah. And so apparently Chow Yun Fat is the Chinese equivalent of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> There's the quote. There is the quote. <laughs> that is the quote, yes! <laughs> So uh, let's just talk about the film, yeah? Go. (laughs) (laughs) Quite a small thing that I like about it is if you look at Hero and uh, House Flying Daggers and um, what's it called? Zhang Yimou? Is that who directed those? Mm. His martial arts films, in any case, they've got sort of quite a, a glossy, more Hollywood sheen to them, whereas Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, it isn't washed out, but it's more naturalistic looking in terms of the colour grade so I think that it actually helps ground the more fantastical elements like balancing in the the bamboo tree at the end and so forth it it sort of balance balances everything out yeah I know I know what you're saying there yeah I know what you're saying there for sure it does it does look more authentic doesn't it yeah for sure because I thought that I thought you could have really, from the w- w- the way the movie opens and everything, and you see like the little temple or whatever it is and stuff like that. You could think I th- immediately thought well, you could it could have been shot any time. Could have been shot in the seventies, the eighties, or you know around about two thousand. It's it's sort of timeless in that in the way it looks like. So I, I get where you're coming from with that. Yeah, and I think that's one of many techniques that's used to ground it. As Craig mentioned before, the the sets with the colours as well give it quite a realistic grounding. So then, yeah, the the more fantastical elements do feel more real. Yeah, I think ironically for a Western audience that would be unaware, 
the the Mandarin is another thing that helps to ground it. I know that at the time I remember reading probably in Empire or something that the reason Ang Lee wanted to, to do that is because it's more traditional spoken Chinese and it would feel more period authentic. Uh, obviously not to people from China. It didn't work out that way. But to, to my ear, it felt very it has like a very formal sound uh you know between that and the and the calligraphy and stuff it, it all feels like a, a bygone era yeah have you all seen sense and sensibility yeah no no one with kate winslet and emma thompson if you enjoyed this i would urge you to watch that as well because it's uh, also made by angley are they on wires <laughs> uh, unfortunately there's there's not as much wi in it uh, there's, there's one famous scene of course I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> Do they at least have a bit of bullet time? <laughs> Hugh Laurie kicks the shit out of Hugh Grant. Crouching tiger, hidden squirrel. <laughs> Ang Lee's films, they're so varied. It's crazy. He's, he's done he's done The yeah. Hulk, he's done mm. Sense of Sensibility, this Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Was it Brokeback Mountain? His as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah The Ice Storm. Uh, Life of Pi. Lust Caution is a good one. Sexy espionage thriller. Ooh. Sexy espionage. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I think it's same World War Two. You can never pigeonhole him as a, a certain kind of director, could you? No, mm. like uh, I, I think he approaches every every film on its own terms. You see, like the way that the his Hulk movie was stylized with all the comic book effects and everything, and uh, this the split screen edits. Like he that that film is that film. Yeah, he's never trying to put his thing on on it. He's he's servicing. You know what the film needs, and I think that's really apparent in *Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon*. Oh, that's interesting. Do you have any uh, standout uh, sequences, moments, or dialogue from the film that you want to cover? My favourite sequence by a country mile is the fight between Zhang Zai and uh, mm. Michelle Yeoh in yeah. *Sun yeah. Security*, where yeah. she's just gradually getting more and more pissed off yeah. that she can't get a hit on her. Her weapons keep on getting mm. broke. To the point where she's just trying to smash her head <laughs> in midnight in yeah. It's so good. Michelle Yeoh as well, the fact that she is able to and does use every weapon in that place mm. is just astonishing. My favourite weapon in that is the two like hook weapons, yeah. which she starts using individually, then she hooks them together and she's spinning yeah. them around and sweeping with them and then she unhooks them again. And then what happens? The sword goes in between and she like rips the hooks off the end. So she has to swap weapon yeah. again. God damn. That mm. sequence is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> yeah. That's a standout for me as well. And what I love about it as well, is there's even time for a bit of comedy in there. She brings that huge metal kind of the heavy iron yeah. thing. She, she falls back. Yeah. It had everything that sequence. Yeah, it's definitely a standout. Yeah, I love that it's not afraid of of comedy. Uh, another great comic moment is just after Jen has trashed the tea house and all the guys are complaining <laughs> about being beaten up and they're like, who's this goo anyway? And uh, they explain, oh, that's her husband. And they all go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that sequence in the inn where she beats them all is another highlight for me. Yeah. And again, there's comedy at the end mm. when the, the landing just falls to the ground she's standing there yeah. and it just falls there's just a few really great just beautifully timed comedic moments but the very best bit in that in scene is where she jumps and spins up onto the uh, onto the balcony yeah wow mm. it's so good 
Well, that was that was a scene where our eldest came into the room and uh, and he, he he wasn't sure what we were watching and he was like, "What the hell is this?" and started laughing because obviously it's all the wire work, isn't it, and stuff like that. And <laughs> yeah. just said, "Sit down and watch it." And he stayed and watched quite yeah. a few of the fights until it got to a bit where it wasn't fighting. And then he left. So it was I was like, and it, it got <laughs> sort of sucked in a little bit, but he did think it was ridiculous. But I mean, he's fourteen, so. He doesn't quite understand these things yet. Did you call him Elvis? Elvis? <laughs> you said Elvis just walked into the room. Eldest! Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Elvis, Elvis walked into the room. Uh-huh. Yeah, the saying the hidden dragon. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did Chicago Sun Tribune film critic Dylan Slade watch this, by the way? No. Oh, my God. We finally got him a, a fire stick for Christmas for his TV because oh. he can't get quite a lot of channels on it. So he's just been binging Sherlock he's been watching uh, oh, nice. fa- fucking family guy <laughs> <laughs> just he's been hammering watching loads of series that he hasn't been able to watch on his tongue <laughs> <laughs> the other moment during that infight I think it might be the thing that kicks it off is she boots that guy through the barricade on the top floor yeah. and the camera just follows him straight down through a yeah. table all in yeah. one shot it's yeah. so very incredible very yeah. nicely done <laughs> yeah the camera work on the the rooftop flight is incredible as well when they're oh, when they're running over so the rooftops good. at the start yeah. the way the camera sort of flies with them just just brilliant yeah. Yeah. stunning uh, other great comedy is the guard at Cirtes you know he's got the, the thick eyebrows and he gets paralysed uh, by Bo. Jade Fox yeah, yeah. Bo yeah he's mm. brilliant He's like a he's a double for yeah. Chow Yun Fat, isn't he? Yeah. Which apparently is a, a tradition in Wushu films that you have like a comedy double. Yeah, right. I'm right. sure I remember them saying on the commentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So they felt obliged to to put that sort of character in. Because yeah, I thought he looked a hell of a lot like him, and it was it was. Uh, mm. I, I had to go back a couple of times. And, okay, yeah, right. I get it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That definitely happened to me the first time I watched it. I remember feeling quite confused. Me too. It's like, you know, in, in Neighbours, when they used to just replace an actor and never, never mention it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One really cool moment I love is just a very small, subtle thing early on. And it's when, and this is the most sense and sen- sensibility scene in the whole thing, maybe. Shilien knows that the thief is Jen, but won't say anything. It's like polite society. And instead just casually drops a china teacup by her and she just catches it silently and puts it back on the table yeah for me it was um just the opening fight sequence between um michelle Yu and uh zihi shan where it's they think she's the jade fox and it's i think that she knows straight away she's not sort of thing as, as yeah. it becomes more and more more difficult to nail her down and stuff like that and she's like give me back that sword no it's mine <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what i really love in that in that particular fight is um, all the times when she's trying to take off into flight and she just keeps grabbing yeah. bits of her clothing and pulling her down. <laughs> and then Jen's got her arms crossed like that and Julianne just pushes like kung fu forces her mm. back into the wall. It's great. Is that the one at night? The nighttime fight? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she does that kind of... She pushes off the wall and mm. like shoots backwards and then up onto the roof. Yeah. That move is so good. Yeah. Yeah, it just sets the tone for the rest of the film. I th- I thought, and it really it just pulled me straight back in because I I couldn't remember I could remember bits, but then when as soon as I watched that, I was like, I'm going to love this, and yeah, and that was it really, and I was hooked the way yeah. through. And even Petra was sat next to me playing around on the phone, and gradually she was watching more and more bits, and then by the end she was sat up next to me watching it 
because she she liked the the story as well, like the the love story as well, and things like that. Although she you know she thought the fights were a bit off the wall, but um, she did enjoy it as well. So you could send that to the studios, and they could you know when you have like quotes on the posters and the <laughs> more interesting than a mobile phone. <laughs> That's quite high praise these days. It is these days, yeah. That's a that. There's one other little moment I just thought just looks so great is when they're skipping over the water. It's when hmm. Jen's trying to escape. Lee Mubai's chasing her. Yeah. And it's, oh, yeah. it's a really wide shot, but it just looks gorgeous yeah. and it just, oh, wow. It just look, looks amazing. They're reflected in the water as well. I'm yeah. not like quite sure how they did that because it just looks so real and, and so great. I thought it was CG, but it just looked amazing. It's just, just yeah. so elegant and yeah, yeah, I loved it. It's ray tracing, the uh, reflection. <laughs> right. um, I was going to say that Angler uses a, a very similar shot to that uh, reflections in Water in Life of Pi. Yeah. It looks like it's looking down on a swimming pool, but then someone dives towards the camera and you're actually looking right. at reflections. Yeah. He, he loves that shit. He fucking loves it. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of you mentioned that there were some lulls. I imagine we'll all have the same th- sort of things for this. Yeah. Three, two, one, and then say one word. See if we get the same word. Yes. <laughs> you count for us, Craig. Three, okay. two, one. Flashback. Flashback. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it, Christ, it goes on. Yeah. It's about 20 minutes and it just grinds the film to an absolute halt. Yeah. I understand why it's needed <laughs> because the ending wouldn't be as satisfying if we mm. didn't feel that connection. But still, it's long and it is right in the middle. It's weird. Yeah. What they should have done is got sliced alone in to edit it into a nice montage, <laughs> nice tight montage to tell us that story more economically. Push it to the limits. <laughs> Past the point of no return. It's difficult because on the one hand you have to buy that she would fall in love with her captor. Yeah. But also there's so many layers to that, which is, you know, on, on the one hand she wants to be free of her marriage and her sort of family commitments, her position in society. But on the other hand, she doesn't want to be owned by uh, Low either. So... To try and convey that in a montage would probably be quite difficult. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because freedom is her is her goal, right? The character's goal. I'm being facetious. I think ten minutes is more than enough, if not five. Rattle through it like a clickety clacker at a football match. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I saw it, it really did um, disrupt the flow for me. But this time, because I've seen it like six or seven times now, and I'm expecting it. I just kind of go with it these days. It's kind of hard to figure out where to, to shoehorn it in, though, isn't it? It's like you've got it's yeah. got to be in there. Yeah. How do you get it in there and try and keep things interesting? But after all the excitement and the the opening sequence and everything like that, and the first part, it's like it does throw the brakes on, and you just you are going through it, going, yeah, this is interesting, but I want to get back to the fighting. Yeah. Even though it's got a good few fights in it as well. So. Yeah, maybe it would have been improved if they'd had a sexy fight in the bath with wires. <laughs> You kept trying to fly out of the bath. Throw, and like throwing sponges it down into it. with big bubbles on him. <laughs> oh. That's just reminded me of Fat Bastard uh, in, in the bath, saying, I hope my wire team's ready. <laughs> <laughs> So this might be quite difficult, especially for Lord Manley, but does anybody have any favourite lines? Yes, I do. Okay, well, let's uh, let's start with uh, Adam. I'll go for 
not the the obvious one. I'll go for no growth without assistance, no action without reaction, no desire without restraint. And that is Lee Mubai. Nice. Uh, Gaz? I have got, when it comes to emotions, even great warriors can be idiots, which is Sir Tay. Yeah, I've got that down as well. I've got three yeah. down. That was my second one. <laughs> I've got a rough translation from a Mubai line that I really liked. Yeah. Something like, like everything or like most things, I am nothing. Yeah, he's uh, talking about the impermanence of objects in life quite a lot and uh, his his attainment of, of peace and enlightenment means that he is kind of physically detached from life. And you know when he talks about never having dared to touch Julien's hand... Yeah, that's uh, that's a good translation. I think you've almost got it bang on, actually. Oh, well, that's to say, you know, if, if the subtitles that we get in English are a direct translation, it might not be. Right. I think the, the dub and the subtitles are slightly different. They are, yeah. The English dub is specifically rewritten to match the uh, mouth movements. Oh, really? I didn't know that. My favourite line, which I think for me is a perfect encapsulation of the main theme of this film and kind of like all the repression stories that we loved growing up like uh Marines of the day and that kind of thing which is uh stop talking like a monk just fight <laughs> that could be the synopsis of the film just fight for your love and the life you want stop talking like a monk i prefer to fight for my right to party thank you very much <laughs> you're renowned for that though aren't you well yeah here comes fucking party animal gals, people say. <laughs> so I strut down the street in my cowboy hat. It's your kids I feel sorry for. You You're standing outside outside the school gate. <laughs> so with, with party Evening, ma'am. Evening, ma'am. <laughs> Did you come up with any cool bits of triv that you wanted to share? Yeah, Jet, you said about Jet Li, he, he bowed out of the, the role because he, mm. he promised his wife that he'd be with her throughout a pregnancy and the birth of their child. And stuff like that. That's why he did that. Yeah. And yeah, it was the first foreign language film in the US to earn over a hundred million dollars. That's a big, big one. Yeah, yeah really. And wow. so yeah. far to date, as far as I'm aware, it's the only martial arts film to be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it's still true. Yeah. Very interesting bit, quick one. The the chap who made the weapons for the movie, including the Sword of Destiny, yes. was Ang Lee's neighbour in Taiwan. <laughs> No way. Yeah. Oh, doing a Matt Hancock, was That's he? It, yeah. yeah Nepo no. baby. Nepo baby. Hang Matt Hancock Lee. <laughs> I don't know if that means uh, like next door neighbour or just somebody that he knew nearby. I know this. Ang Lee won Best Director at BAFTA, Golden Globes, Directors Guild of America, but not Oscars, which is very unusual. Usually if you get all the prior three, you get the fourth one. Bunch of old farts, the Oscars, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, it won. It won. Th- it won three Oscars. So it was best production design, best original score, or four. Sorry, cinematography and international film. Yeah, so that's four. Yeah, right. But it was nominated for the for the mainstream best film award. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah it was. Yeah, what beat it? Uh, Traffic. Steven Soderbergh. Well, traffic's quite good. Yeah. yeah. I think the only film to win both at the Oscars, foreign film and best picture, so far is Parasite, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I would yeah. think. What do you all make of the ending? What do you think is happening there at the end? Apparently it's a source of ambiguity for some viewers. Yeah, it could be sort of a, a taking her own life or it could be a sense of transcendence. It's, mm. it's, mm, I'm not sure. He looks sad, doesn't he, Dark Cloud, when she jumps? 
I think he's sad because he realizes that she's not his. Mm. Like he's been telling people throughout, mm. she's mine, and yeah. he realizes in that moment she's not mine or anybody's. Mm. You know, not e- not even Wudan could could claim her the thing she apparently wanted. That was it, wasn't it? She all she wanted was freedom. And that was her right. taking her freedom mm. because there was no way mm. she could have gone it any other way, right? She would have been yeah. beholden to her, her partner. She'd been beholden to her, her husband or her family as a wealthy, mm. you know, well-to-do family. Or she'd been beholden yeah. to the monks at Wudan. The only way she could take her freedom into her own hands was what she did. Yeah. Well, so I don't know what Ang Lee and, and James Seamus intended, but for me, when I saw the film with no context i had been shown several times that she could effectively fly and i assumed that she would survive that fall and then in context knowing the crane pentalogy now and having seen the loose adaptation that is the netflix sequel she doesn't die she goes to the desert and has children and they are in the next story or a child she swaps a child with someone else that's what it is i thought that she was alive as well and she she went off got a wish did that but then petra was saying mm. no she's committed suicide because she you know she's uh beside herself with grief and all this kind of stuff yeah. so i was like well there you go it's quite got too posing yeah it's not a direct adaptation of the book so i think it's it's ambiguous mm. and I think it's good that it's open to interpretation but I like films like that that you can because it, in another way he's like immortalised the film because people will always talk about that ending now and yeah. and, and you can imagine right. some people probably get it's quite a hot topic for some people and especially if they know the you know the um, the series they'll probably say well no it's this it is because the series goes ah, and, you know, and things like that and then you get people just saying well mm. the film's a standalone film blah 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 so it's good yeah. I think it's very Clever ending. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon sees warrior Li Mubai drawn once again into conflict with Jade Fox, his master's killer, whom he'd previously vowed to avenge. After her protege steals the green destiny sword he had tried to relinquish peacefully in the hope of pursuing his romantic interest in fellow warrior Yu Shulian. Once Jade Fox sees that Li Mubai is attempting to train her apparent apprentice Jen and that her pupil has already surpassed her, she vows to exact bitter revenge on the pair and, by extension, the Wudan school that spurned her. So, what do we think of the diabolical plan? And let's go first to Lord Manly Supreme with his proprietary broccoli rating. I don't know. Not much of a scheme, is it really? No. My scheme is more of a scheme. My scheme's way more of a scheme. <laughs> what are the schemey elements of it if we pin it down? So obviously the first thing she does is takes an apprentice and, and tries to train someone else in the in the arts of Wudan that were denied to her. Right. She murdered the, the master that slept with her that wouldn't let her train at the school. Right. And then within the, the period that the story of the film takes place, she obviously keeps an eye on Jen after she's run away and, you know, finds her unconscious in the pool and takes her away. And then her other main scheming thing to do is to poison her needle gun. And uh, she's planning on killing Jen with that. And she's killing Jen for the betrayal of Sapasana, right? Yeah, for for doing essentially the same as, as Wudan did to her by denying her the teachings. Although, of course, Jen understands that Jade Fox, she's she's not doing it out of spite or anything. She just understands she's not capable of, of understanding it and progressing any further. So there's not, not many elements that are scheming. I, I would warrant you that. I think it was quite clever that she hid in plain sight as the governess. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll give, her, I'll give it a five. A five, Florit. 
probably right in there. That's fine. What about you, Adam? You haven't weighed in on this because you you went to the toilet for a shit there. <laughs> so did you? I'm not. Hey, I've I've got good bowel movements, but I'm not. Like <laughs> this is the part of the show where the panel of peril compete for the title of this week's most diabolical. Up for grabs is two points for the winner, which will go towards the series leaderboard. As host this week, I'm at home advantage, so if my plan wins the vote, I only get one point. But as for this week's episode, there can only be one or two or four winners. But never three. <laughs> never three, as we've realised. Jade Fox wanted to take revenge on Wudan and Jen, but she failed. So, what would we have done differently? Just to mix things up like we did last time. I'll go first. Ooh. <gasps> Spicy meatball. Could I ask a quicker question? What, before I've even done it? <laughs> it is to do with your plot synopsis. <laughs> okay. Do we have to get our revenge on Jen as well? Because I have not done that. Yeah, I've not done a revenge on Jen. No, I've just done either. on the Wu Dan. No, it's fine. Bono. Grazie. <laughs> Imagine if I said yes. You just have to frantically rewrite it. I was like, ah, oh, shit. I went into my Word document when you said that. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh, spaghettios. I'll tell you what. Jade Fox wanted to take revenge on Mudan, but she failed. So, what would we have done differently? Bonza, mate. Bonza. And uh, just to mix things up, like we did last time, I'm going to go first. Ooh. Deja vu. Hmm. <laughs> Wudan is a whorehouse, according to Jen, brainwashed by the bitter teachings of Jade Fox. It is, we are shown, the seat of misogynistic hubris, with Julien sure that even Jen, skilled as she is, will not be accepted to study there. Despite Limu Bai's insistence that the things we touch are impermanent, we are shown more than once that he is not immune to the pleasures of the flesh. So, why not make Wudan an actual whorehouse? <laughs> as Jade Fox... I recruit and train an army of women, using not only the Wudan manual, but also the Karma Sutra. They spend several days servicing the monks. Nothing they don't want to do, just handies probably, because they're monks, so we'll take (laughs) anything. Then, in one carefully orchestrated move, they poison all of the pricks in their sleep. With them out of the way, we are free to study the Wudan manual and empower all women everywhere. Very succinct. Yeah. Any questions? <laughs> <laughs> there was a leap there where you went from kind of establishing it to so why not make Wudan an actual whorehouse? Mm. Are you saying the final state is a whorehouse? Because that's not empowering women, Craig. You're wrong. Sex work is work. Yes. It's, it's power. Don't denigrate sex workers. And sex workers are not just females. They're also males as well. Quite right. Surely you've seen a few rent boys in your time. <laughs> Are there males? Because I only heard you talk about females in this. Because it's the, the seat of misogyny. Mm-hmm. No, it's specifically in this scenario. Okay. Would, so would they bring in males later? Probably. Once once women everywhere were empowered, then it'd be time to start bringing in the rent boys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I spent the last minute frantically Googling when the Karma Sutra was written. It turns out 4th century... AD. I was going to say it's pretty old. Which, uh, yeah, predates when Crouching Tiger's set by uh, several thousand years. So <laughs> or not several thousand, over a thousand. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. The, the timeline mm. checks out. Kudos. 
in your your training of these these women, obviously you do, you do the the wudan and the Kama Sutra. Do the wudan. Do the dirty wudan. It's <laughs> oh. <laughs> <That's> a cocktail. <laughs> the dirt, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> what would an average day's training schedule look like? Just talk me through it. Uh, too sexy for you to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> if I describe it to you, we'll, we'll have to censor it anyway. I'm going to be pointing some boing sound effects right there. <laughs> <laughs> some penny whistles. <laughs> Just imagine why a foo and translate that to whatever else you're thinking about. Oh, my Lord. I'm imagining B- Babs Windsor in Carry On Camping where a bra pops off and flies across the campsite. <laughs> <laughs> but then she follows it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bra wire foo. It's, it's hovering just in front of exposing her breasts. Bravo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. <laughs> okay, so next up, let's have Lord Manly Supreme. Having spent years posing as a governess for a wealthy family, I'd use my hard-earned social standing to get a job running the staff at the Wudan Monastery. I'd do my job properly for a few weeks, learn the monks' routines and keep my head low. Once I have adequate knowledge of their comings and goings, I would start to exact my revenge. At opportune moments, I'd start messing with their chi by abusing the ancient art of feng shui. In the middle of the night, while the monks are sleeping, I'd place a mirror opposite the front door, causing all of the good energy that comes across the threshold to be immediately bounced back outside. (laughs) Next, instead of completely cleaning the stoves in the kitchen, I'd leave almost imperceptible traces of grease on them. As we all know, stoves are centres of wealth, and the dirt would stop the wealth energy from flowing, and the monk's financial position would become more and more precarious. While they're meditating, I'd leave the front and back doors open, (laughs) thus causing the energy to flow straight through the building without reaching all the rooms. Finally, and this is the real coup de grace, I'd make up the beds in the monks' rooms to have the beds and pillows directly aligned with the doors causing the monks to get blasted head-on by energy while they're trying to rest. Can you imagine? In a matter of weeks, they'd be financially ruined and too sluggish to fight or make any meaningful contribution to society. Once the emperor catches wind of the monks' fall from grace, he'd have them disbanded and exiled for bringing great shame upon themselves. And I would finally be satisfied. All right. Any questions? Bouncing energy out, is that... A technical term? Is that part of Feng Shui's teachings, that you can bounce energy out if, if things aren't arranged correctly? Well, that's what happens. It gets it gets reflected straight back out the door because what you want is that flow of energy hitting every room in the house. You need your elements balanced. A mirror's just going to fire. Any positive energy that comes in is getting fired right back out that door. <laughs> you do not want that, guys. Trust me. Okay. You haven't got a mirror in front of your door, have you, guys? Uh... Yes, I have, actually. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> this explains oh, a lot. Dear. Oh, dear. Yeah, no wonder you're such a sluggish yeah. bastard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good, good or bad energy doesn't really matter, though. So as long as, long no, as you've got it. just energy. You want the energy coming energy. in. Energy. So it's, it's neither, you just want energy. neither yeah. good nor it's bad. It's all about energy. 
Okay. Yeah, feng shui. Okay. If you're looking for somewhere to put your bed or desk, like an important piece of furniture in a room, perhaps a sofa in a living room, for example, you'll want that diagonal away from the door. You won't want it aligned because you'll be getting blasted by energy. You, you want what's called the commanding position, usually in the diagonal corner from the door. <laughs> you're grandmaster in feng shui. It's just one string, to one of many strings to my bow. <laughs> How many strings do you have? Four. <laughs> so you, you're saying you're, you're ukulele feng shui? More or less. <laughs> so the monks are exiled in disgrace yeah. because the feng shui's fucked up. Their wealth, their own energy, their chi. Can't they just explain that it was due to feng shui or are they just completely unaware? You're familiar with spice zombies, Gaz? <laughs> yes. All too familiar. Right. Well, basically, if your cheese fucked up, you're going to become a spice zombie. You might try and explain it, but the emperor will say, why has this happened? And they'll go, uh, because, and the emperor will get out, you're exiled. So I had a question. You, in this scenario, you use your background experience as a governess to get the job. Yeah. As the Okay, so you are Jade Fox in this scenario. Yeah. But I'm a master of disguise. So I'll just ch- I'll change up my face, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't look the same. I'll... Oh, I see. Transformer. Oh, I see. That was going to be my question. How do, how do they not recognise Jade Fox among them? i trim a muff or whatever. <laughs> okay. We all happy with that? I don't think that they would recognise Jade Fox? Yep. Yeah. I'm particularly pleased with that part. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Uh, so with no further questions, we'll move on to Adam Turner. Like all those that possess great power and skill, Li Mubai is graced with confidence, perhaps overconfident, maybe even arrogant. So it could be said for the Wudan also. Safe in the comfort of their temple high in the mountains and brimming with a confidence only deadly martial arts could bring, they sleep easy. Only they shouldn't. Revenge is a powerful motivation, and Jade Fox now has the deadliest weapon there is, Gen Yu. Instead of being overcome with rage at Jen's power, Jade Fox recognises she presents a huge opportunity to enact her revenge on Wudan. Knowing that Jen is conflicted by Xu Lian and her friendship with her, Jade Fox sets out to eliminate her. Luring Xu Lian out of her compound with a phony message from Li Mubai, she slays her with a poison dart. Many poison darts. Li Mubai, after learning the fate of his squeeze, he is grief-stricken. Who is there to console him but Jen? And she requests to be taken to the temple to learn the way of the Wudan so she can avenge her friend Shi Lian. Li Mubai agrees after seeing she has some skill with a blade, although she holds back for fear of exposing her skills learnt from Jade Fox. They make their way to the temple high in the mountains and Jen begins her training, secretly followed by the Jade Fox. While Li Mubai watches Jen being trained by his contemporaries, he grows fond of her and secretly trains her whenever he has the chance. When Jen is ready for her grading, the whole temple is gathered in the courtyard and a sumptuous buffet prepared for the celebrations afterwards. <laughs> but who has done the catering? Yes, it's JF Catering Co. Or that's Jade Fox Catering Co. to you and I. Secretly disguised as Jellyfish Catering Co. to, uh, to the Wudan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she gets her lackeys to create the sumptuous smorgasbord, and as the grading comes to a close, the celebrations reach their peak. Poisoning a, a drink 
called uh, Ji Yun Yang, which is a fermented sweet rice wine flayed with amanthus flowers. Everybody is too high and in the mood of celebration to notice any difference, and they all die. <laughs> I think that's at least at least your third plan that involves poison. Yeah. I feel like because she had the poison darts and stuff like that, and then she was, and it she's mentions that she's familiar. She's a bit of an alchemist. Yeah. I thought, well, it makes actual sense for her to do it, and it kind of goes to waste because she just she uses it in a, an overt way, doesn't she, with all those poison darts all the time? And it's kind of like a missed opportunity mm. for me, and that's why mm. I went for this. Although I didn't get to finish the plan properly, I was in mid flow, and then we had to come on, and I couldn't finish it. Oh yeah. That's why I sort of trailed off towards the end. (laughs) So they were all high from poison, poison, and then they die. I don't think that's a very good revenge, because they're all dying happy, surely, if they're just like, eh. They're all high to begin with, and then they sort of realise that they've been poisoned, and then they all start to start Start coming coming down down and panicking, and eventually their hearts stop. (laughs) The ultimate come down. The ultimate come down, yeah, there you go. Yeah. All the way down. So uh, I got a couple of questions. Fire away. Why would Limu Bai be interested in training Jen if she holds back her skills from him? He's just seen enough. Yeah, he's just seen enough. Okay. And he's obviously grief-stricken at the time. His emotions are rushing all over the place. And he's looking for a new uh, new maybe partner in crime a bit later on. So he's like, oh, yeah, she's a bit handy with a sword. She's a bit easy on the eye. Let's uh, take her under my wing and... Uh, Take her up to the temple. Who knows where that might lead? He's going to take her up the temple, is he? Take her right up the temple. Take her up the temple, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever been up the secret passage, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> I had one other question, which is a uh, a wild card, I think. Go on, then. Given that Limu Bai now uh, has taken Jen into his training and, and affections, what about Lo? How does Lo enter into the story he's been following yeah. Jen around what does he do oh he's off doing whatever he does he doesn't know that where they've gone because they take this path up to the the temple of the Wudan and he's sort of like he knows how to get there though because he does go there in the film yeah, right. and he's been following Jen around so I think he'd see Jen and Lee Mubai together and be overcome with jealousy well he goes to the party afterwards and has a cocktail and, and snuffs it as well <laughs> that works for me Finn <laughs> Buttoned off for all the questions there. It seems you've wrapped it up nicely in a neat little bow. <laughs> that is, actually, that is a completely fair explanation of what happens yeah. to him. I have no, no issue with that. <laughs> any more for any more? Any more questions? <laughs> Time then for Gareth's plan. He was very muted last week. Has he returned to his antics? What was last week? I can't remember now. It's just your really sensible plan last yeah. week. That was just yeah, the uh, Simpsons one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm slightly annoyed that uh, Adam's gone before me, but here we go. <laughs> Jade Fox's hunger for revenge against Wudan is mostly sated by her murder of Limu Bai's master. Mostly. After taking up with Governor Yu and secretly taking Jen Yu as her apprentice, she has the opportunity to train as a member of the kitchen staff and takes it up. As she is illiterate, Jade Fox commits her favourite recipes to memory, lovingly preparing meals for Jen and Governor Yu on special occasions or when travelling. Her favourite meal to prepare is a traditional noodle soup. 
In a large saucepan, heat 500 mils of chicken stock and bring it to a boil. <laughs> Keep near boiling point throughout, around 99 degrees Celsius, and serve at that temperature. Add 200 grams of finely chopped green onions. Now we're talking, aren't we? Hey, hey, now we're talking. <laughs> Add 100 grams of bok choy or Chinese greens. Add a good splash of light or dark soy sauce to taste. A little bit like Percy Pepper and Susie's salt, isn't it? Hey, eh? soy sauce. Hey, eh? hey, eh? we like it, eh? don't we? Add 20 mils of that old favourite oyster sauce. Add a generous helping of noodles right into the soup. Oh, delicious. Just just smell it right now. You can smell it, can't you? Eh? 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 Lovely. <laughs> Once cooked, serve and enjoy. She would prepare noodle soup for Genu's birthdays, for Governor Yu upon crushing any rebellions that may flare up, or when travelling to dignitaries such as Sir Tay. Naturally, upon arriving and setting eyes upon Lee move by at Sir Tay's palace, Jade Fox sees red or green and begins to plot for this unexpected opportunity for revenge. She prepares the recipe as I told you all before, and I can read it again <laughs> if you want me to. <laughs> Please, no. No? <laughs> I won't, I'll leave it. And awaits the arrival of the honoured guests. Jade Fox cannot risk physically serving the food to the guests, as Limu Bai would surely recognise her. And so she hands the bowls of soup to the waiting staff, specifying which bowl should be placed in front of which diner. Sitae, Gen Yu, Governor Yu, Limu Bai and other assorted guests finish their bowls of soup, satisfied that their bellies are full and hunger has been staved off for another day. Jade Fox keeps to the shadows, not revealing her hand to Li Mu Bai or anyone else, because what they don't know is that she has served Li Mu Bai's soup at a mere 50 degrees Celsius, oh. which is nearly half of the recommended serving temperature. Fox quietly laughs to herself, as revenge <laughs> is a dish best served cold. Excellent. Bravi, bravi. Also, there's purple yin poison in it, and he does die. <laughs> I wonder if old Chinese would send something like that back to the kitchen to get it reheated, though. Certainly possible. It's a debate as to whether he would be so aloof as to mm. send it back or whether he would be courteous in another mm. man's home to just simply yeah. wolf it down. Go in. Mm. What's the temperature outside when this is served? Temperature outside, I would say it's a balmy 43 degrees Celsius. That's fucking, that's hot. <laughs> so if, if the soup's only 50, there's not going to be any steam coming off it, so it's not going to yeah. look hot. Yeah, so that's why it's it's no, looks cold. Uh, yeah. So I thought if it's a chilly day, you still get away with the steam, but no. 43 degrees oh he's got he's you there he's trapped you that's fucking well hot <laughs> I had two questions unrelated to the specific temperature of, of the surroundings they're pointless and don't ask <laughs> even if Lee Mubai and I believe he would be courteous enough not to say anything if it was just a case of oh this soup's a bit cold but I think that he would be suspicious enough to question why the soup was cold not like out loud, but just to himself, he'd be like, this is suspiciously cold soup. And he'll look around and maybe see Jade Fox hiding. And let's just say, for the sake of argument, that he doesn't and he eats it and he dies of poison. Well, then Julien's going to find out who did it because the chef specifically told the staff who the bowls should go to. Yeah, but when, when Limu Bai dies, 
she could just run away, couldn't she? Just leg it. I'm just running away after my stuff. <laughs> I'm leaving, leaving everything behind. Now. Even Jen, leave Jen behind. Yeah. Did she want her revenge on on Mumbai? I thought it was the Wudan Monastery and the monks there. Yeah, he's one of them, but yeah, why is she targeting him? That's the opportunity that presents itself. Ah, okay. Right. Okay. They happen to arrive at, at the same place, Sate's Palace, as in the film. And she's just like, right, I'm, fu- I'm fucking going for it. Here we go. And then I'll run away at the end because that's the only logical thing to do. Yeah. Now I see why you specifically were interested in whether or not you had to take revenge on Jen. Because I guess after this, <laughs> if she does run away, that's kind of fine. But if she stayed around with Jen, she'd still encounter the same problem of Jen becoming... Yeah, superior. You could just super, couldn't she? You could just super. I mean, look, what I did was I based my entire plan around revenge is a dish best served cold and I worked my way back from there. <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. If you'd left it there and not gone for the poison at the end, I would have had fewer notes because mm. I thought that was Damn. great. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to leave it there and it was yeah. fabulous. <laughs> Damn your eyes. <laughs> Some truly diabolical schemes there. It's time to cast your votes, and please remember, you may not vote for yourself. All right, so, Adam, who is your vote for? Well, it's a very tough week, because each plan had upsides and downsides, but I had to pick one that was similar to my own, so I've gone with Gaz. All right, and Gaz, who gets your vote this week? Well... I think the best explanation to completely and utterly ruin the mind, body and spirit of Wudan came from Lord Manly Supreme. Rightly so. All right. Rightly so. And Lord Manly Supreme, who gets your vote this week? For the delivery and uh, the fact that he worked his plan back from a very well-known phrase, it's Gaz. Ooh. With, uh... <laughs> oh, okay. And my vote, it's... Lord Manly Supreme! So we have another tie. Gaz and Lord Manly. I've been gagging for points for weeks. I've been jonesing for points. Well, you you earned them. You earned them this week. (laughs) I really like the concept of fucking with people with feng shui. Was that a point each or two points each? Uh, Two points for me and half a point for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's point each. Point each. Forgot how draws work, do you? I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, Gaz, what's that done to the Diabolical Season 2 leaderboard? Well... No change in positions from last week, but a change in points, obviously. So in the lead with seven and a half points is Craig. In second place with six and a half points Mm. is myself, Gaz. And in joint third with three and a half points each is Adam and Lord Manly Supreme. So that is a change in position. I'm now joint third. I was rock bottom before. Yeah. Yes. That's true. I apologise. Yeah. Rising up. I'm back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. I can feel I'm getting closer. <laughs> uh, next week, Gaz will be hosting. Tell us, Gaz, what film will we be improving? We are going to look at the filmic spin-off of one of my favourite British 
comedy shows. On the buses? <laughs> Not quite. We're going to be watching The League of Gentlemen's Apocalypse. Woohoo! Yay! Oh, there's going to be some impressions. I can see it coming now. <laughs> <laughs> You're my wife now, dear. <laughs> <laughs> and that about does it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe. Leave us a review on the very platform on which you're currently listening. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DiabolicalPod. Next week, Gaz will be hosting and we will be competing to improve the diabolical plan of the League of Gentlemen's Apocalypse. Until then, stop talking like a monk and just fight. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those cats were fast as lightning. But it was a little bit frightening. But they do some fantastic ironing. And as for me, my favorite. My favorite? As for me, my favorite martial artist. If you're drinking Bovril. She's got the chops, that's all right. Oh, she's got chops. Oh, oh some lovely chops. Fucking, oh. fucking chops on her. Oh, I love Pork, like. Lamb, she's got it all. <laughs> Simply the breast. <laughs> Ang Lee sold it to um, Thingy, to, uh, wasn't it Michelle Yo? He said to her, it's basically Sense and Sensibility mm. with martial arts. Yeah. yeah, I said that in the intro. Ah, sorry, I didn't catch that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, don't, don't act like you found that out on your own. I've, I've, <laughs> I've got that in my notes here, so... <laughs> Yeah, I noted it down during Craig's intro. I've got more notes than that, you peasants. <laughs>